What's up everybody? I'm Jeffrey Delappy here, and today I am going to be sharing with all of you my week 14 NFL predictions. But before talking about week 14, we need to do a little recap about week 13. Starting with my top three games, as I always do, at the number three spot I had the Cowboys beating the Seahawks 41 to 35. Good job to the NFL. They put this game on primetime, and it did not disappoint, not even a little bit. High scoring, close, back and forth, lead changes, everything that you could ask for. And I did predict this game correctly. Each quarterback in this game did marvelously. They each had three passing touchdowns. Stellar numbers across the board from both Geno Smith and Dak Prescott. I expected this from Dak Prescott, especially the way that Cowboys offense has been looking lately. But Geno Smith, who supposedly had an injured shoulder, did not play like he was injured at all. Had a pretty good game. Metcalf had three touchdowns, but at the end, it was just the Cowboys' defense and real, really the Cowboys' offense late on in that fourth quarter that just kept going the extra mile, whereas maybe the Seahawks got a little tired. There were some second-half turnovers that also played into this. And the Seahawks, with this loss, do fall out of a playoff spot for the time being. Now, looking at the... Uh, second best game of last week, I chose this one as the Bengals beating the Jaguars 34-31 to in overtime. Congratulations to the NFL again, because again, this was a primetime game that they decided to put out there for us. Did not disappoint. Uh, my prediction in this one was incorrect, unfortunately. I think the vast majority of people did pick the Jaguars to win this game. I mean, they were hot after starting 1-2 They'd won, what, 8 out of 9 games, or 7 out of 8 games going into this week? They were 8-3. and three. So I don't know why I wouldn't pick them, especially with Jake Browning being the big question mark. I was ready to say that this guy was not the real deal, that he was just another one of those random backups that snuck his way onto a roster for no good reason. But no! I mean, he comes out of nowhere to surprise us with not only a 354 passing yard night, but look at this completion percentage, 32 for 37. That's over 75%, flying colors. He would, he just did not miss in this game from start to finish. And with this crazy win, the Bengals, what it does it mean for them? They're staying in this playoff race. There's a lot of teams that are in this race. You can't even count the teams that are two games out, but there's so many of those 6-6, six and 7-5 six, and five teams in the mix that you really need to get these wins. Every game matters, and the Bengals treated this game with the intensity that it deserved, and they got the job done. As for the Jaguars, the big storyline, of course, is Trevor Lawrence and his high ankle sprain. It looked horrible on the field. I mean, I was out there tweeting. You know, you could see it by his reaction. This is serious. Thankfully, I was wrong, and I guess his reaction was a little bit overdramatic because he's in the running to play this week, believe it or not. So we'll see how that turns out for the Jaguars later on when we talk about Week 14. And finally, at the number one spot, getting into that, of course it was the Packers beating the Chiefs 27-19. to And again, I have to give the thumbs up to the league for putting this game on primetime. All three of these games actually were primetime games on Thursday night, Monday night, and Sunday night. So all those games did not disappoint. Packers, if I didn't say already 27-19, I did not get this game right. Obviously... I was not going to bet against Mahomes on primetime. I was not going to get bet against Mahomes 
in his first trip to Lambeau Field. I thought he, that he could get that done. And I was not going to bet against Travis Kelsey when his very famous girlfriend is in the audience. But the Packers did not care about A, B, or C. Jordan Love played like a beast. You could say he outplayed Mahomes. You could say that Christian Watson outplayed Travis Kelsey. You could say that the Packers' defense came up with bigger stops, with bigger sacks than the Chiefs' defense did on this particular night. Does it mean that the Packers are winning the Super Bowl this year? Hell no. But what it does mean is that they can compete in big games, and I think that they are playoff ready. Looking down the rest of their schedule, there's not a lot of tough games. And they're at 6-6, six and six, right in the thick of it with other teams that are 6-6 six and six for that final couple wildcard spots, and it'll be interesting to see what they do down the stretch. There was, of course, a couple of questionable calls on that final drive by the Chiefs. There was the late hit on Mahomes out of bounds I don't agree with, that he really sold. Then there was the lack of a DPI called, maybe a makeup call, some suggested, that went in favor of Green Bay on that final drive. The bottom line takeaway from the Chiefs trying to surmise late comebacks is they don't have it. They don't have the players to make big plays late on. They got rid of Tyree Kill. They failed to replace him. It's as simple as that, and... You know that they're going to be double-teaming Travis Kelsey in these scenarios, and nobody has been able to make a catch. Whether there was a penalty, whether there wasn't a penalty, against the Eagles, against the Packers, they have shown that they are not prepared to make a big play down the stretch. And that's really what hurt them at the end of this game, more so than the refs, in my opinion. And yeah, it was a ton of fun. The primetime games were... Top dollar and last week in the NFL, some interesting 1 o'clock games, too, that were close. And we're starting out with a primetime game here in Week 14 that is probably going to be more disappointing. Uh, sorry to build it up there and then break it back down, but it's going to be the Patriots at the Steelers. The Patriots are setting offensive low records here in the NFL. When you thought it would be the Jets, you didn't think it could any, get any worse than the Jets' offense. The Patriots found a way to beat us! To beat us at being bad. And whatever they trot out there at quarterback, Zappi's not the answer. Mac Jones is not the answer. You know, maybe put a jersey on Bill Belichick and, you know, have him throwing some passes out there to the wideouts. No, I don't know what the answer for the Patriots is, but the Steelers should get this win. I'm going to pick them, obviously. They had a bit of a wake-up call against the Cardinals last week. It was a weird game. It took five and a half hours or four and a half hours because of weather delays. Kyler Murray trying to get his mojo back. I'll give him a pass. Okay, Kenny Pickett got hurt in this game. He's not going to play for a couple weeks. Trubisky should start. And I think it's safe to say that Mitchell Trubisky can outdo the just dreadful things that Zappi and Mac Jones have been doing as of late. The Patriots defense, though, has been a bright spot. They've allowed 26 points over their last three games. They've lost all of them. Allowed 10 points to the Colts, that was a loss. Then they allowed 10 points to the Giants, and that was a loss. They brought that number down to 6 last week against the Chargers, and they get shut out, 6 nothing. <laughs> so, basically, at this point, scoring one touchdown should be enough to beat this team. And I think the Steelers will have no trouble doing that at home. So give me them to win on Thursday Night Football. Now, as we take a look into Sunday, main football day... First 1 o'clock game here is my lovely Jets. They're going to host the Houston Texans in this game. 
and I have to pick the Texans. I foolishly picked the Jets last week. I don't know. Do I have migraines here like R.J. Barrett and I can't think straight? I don't know what it was. I thought the Jets could actually win a game, but no. They managed to be so bad offensively and waste yet another amazing performance by that Jets defense that held Desmond Ritter to an under 50% completion percentage, under 130 passing yards. They never gave up any big plays to Bijan Robinson or to Drake London. So, I, I don't know. I can't blame the defense for even a second of what they did in that 60-minute game. It's all on the offense. It's all on Boyle. It's all on Simeon. And Boyle, who played the majority of this game, is gone. So the Jets are showing some accountability here. But just my biggest question is, should that not start with the people in charge? With the people that brought Tim Boyle in? With the people that insisted on giving Tim Boyle a roster spot? Because clearly somebody in this Jets organization saw something in Tim Boyle to warrant him a spot here. Whether you think he's going to see the field or not as the third string, I'm not asking that question, but I'm saying that if the time permitted for that to happen, which it obviously did this season because of injuries and bad play on the part of Zach Wilson. He took the field. He did not look ready. He wasn't ready for Black Friday. He had a couple big moments in that Falcons game, sure, to Xavier Gibson, to Garrett Wilson, but he also had a couple of disastrous moments, like the interception, overthrowing Ruckert again, overthrowing wide receivers on third down checkdowns on third down, just gifting the ball back to Atlanta. So I'm glad to see him gone. And my other big question here is, I don't know what we're doing at the running back position. We cannot get Brees Hall going. Dalvin Cook is costing us, probably cost us the game partially with that fumble that led to the only touchdown of that entire game by either team. And Israel Abanaconda at this point is just a ghost. So all of this combined... There's just really no shot for the Jets in my mind to take down a team that's playing as well as the Texans. And C.J. Stroud just balling out. He's kind of a lock for 300 passing yards week after week. So if anything, I would love the Jets to make life hell for him, to do what they always do. But we're in a time here in the Jets era. Zach Wilson, I didn't mention, is the starter for this week, by the way. It was announced today. We're in the time of the Jets where if they allow more than 10 points, the Jets aren't going to win. And it's just not realistic football. Maybe 50 years ago, but that's not the kind of world we live in. So the Texans should take this game. Now moving on to the second game of the 1 o'clock hour. It's the Rams at the Ravens. I think this has the makings of a solid game to watch. Of You know, could be a one-possession game. But the Ravens are going to get the W. They're at home. They have one of the best defenses in the NFL. Super consistent. And not injury riddled. As for the offense of the Ravens, is there a little bit of concern? Yes. Last time out against the Chargers, they only had 177 passing yards. Their leading receiver was Zay Flower was Odell Beckham with 34 yards. They only put up 20 points. The Rams could they do over 20? Yeah. I mean they got Kyron Williams and the tandem that is Cup and Nakua back, Higby as well. So the Rams should be able to stay competitive in this game. I just like the Ravens at home more. I think Harbaugh's a smart guy. They had the bye week. They're well-rested to come up uh, into this game with a good game plan. And I think that they're going to get the job done. They're vying for that number one seed in this game. 
they really got to win to stay up there of teams like the Dolphins and the Chiefs. Now the next game on the slate that we have to talk about is the Panthers at the Saints. NFC South battle. And the Saints are obviously going to win this game. I don't think it's much of a discussion. The Panthers' first game, and after firing, firing an innocent Frank Reich, I will defend that man's innocence. He had a horrible team. They moved on from him. It is what it is. They were closer this week. They lost 21-18, to a valiant effort against the Bucks. The reality is that this Panthers team just does not have an NFL roster. It's close to a college roster, really. I mean, they have Bryce Young. Adam Thielen is the only thing that I could call somewhat of a playmaker at times this season. They don't have a reliable running back. They don't have a great offensive line. The defense had a couple people fooled for the first opening weeks. They've kind of imploded since then. They allowed big numbers to Mike Evans. They made Baker Mayfield look good. So the the only star that I see really on either roster in this game is Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara had 119 yards and two touchdowns. 119 yards from scrimmage, I should say, and two total touchdowns last week against the Lions, where they came up just short. So as long as Kamara's doing his thing and the Saints don't have some catastrophic injury, they should beat the Panthers and keep their hopes alive to win that NFC South. After that, we're going to go to Ohio, to Cincinnati to be exact, where the Colts are taking on the Bengals in a huge playoff implications outing. I think I was looking at the FPI index before, the uh, fan index, and I saw just about a 50-50 split. I think it was like 51 point something to 48 point something on the Colts side. I'm going with the Bengals at home to get the job done. Uh, Jake Browning, I'm not going to bet against him after what he did down in Duval County uh, a couple nights ago. Played marvelous football. But Gardner Minshew, don't get me wrong, he's just coming off a game where he had 312 passing yards, two passing touchdowns. He is the definition of the backup quarterback you want to have because when injuries happen, he's proven he's the guy. I mean, he did fine in Philly when he was called upon, and now he's doing better than fine in Indy. Have them as a playoff team right now. If the season ended today, the Colts would be a playoff team. Now, if the Bengals turn around and win this game, like I think they will, they have the better running back, wide receiver core, and just better overall team in my opinion, and they're at home. So if the Bengals win this, they improve from six and six to seven and six, and the Colts would fall to seven and six. Bengals would gain the tiebreaker over the Colts. And if the things go their way, the Bengals and the Texans lose this week to the Jets somehow, they could see themselves in a playoff spot as early as this week. So a lot to play for here, and I'm leaning towards Cincinnati. Now we're going to talk about the other two teams in the NFC South we just touched upon, the Panthers and the Saints, the Bucks at the Falcons. You know, I just watched this Falcons team play a game from start to finish against the Jets, and forget about the fact that the Jets have a pretty amazing defense. This Falcons team was lucky to get 13 points. The one-touchdown drive, they were gifted field position starting on the Jets' side of the field off the Cook fumble. Desmond Ritter, who's being trotted out there as a starting quarterback, 12 for 27, one touchdown, and 121 yards. I honestly can't believe that 
he did that bad and still won a game. He's completing less than half of his passes. And he's averaging about 60 yards of offense a half. Keep in mind, a lot of this was checkdowns to Bijan Robinson. And, like, five-yard gains to Kyle Pitts and stuff like that. A lot of... And he, then he would run after the catch. There was a lot of run after catch in those 121 to begin with. With that being said, the Bucks were not much better. They really need to grind to beat the lowly Panthers, who really have like a bottom two roster in this league down there with Arizona. So these are two bad teams. But the reality is they're the two front runners, I guess along with the Saints are mixed in there, to win this division and to host a playoff game. Not only will one of these three teams, the Saints, Bucks, or Falcons, make a playoff game, they will host a playoff game, whoever wins this terrible division. I'm going to pick the Falcons this week just because I think Bijan Robinson, Tyler Algier, and we even saw a carrier two from Cordero Patterson. Those running backs, whether it be getting yards after the catch or running, you know, regular HB draws, whatever you want to trot them out there to do, they're too good. They're going to beat whatever the Bucks have to throw at them, and I think the Falcons will come out on top. As we look now to the next game on the schedule, it's another game in Ohio, one of two being played in Ohio this week. It's the Jaguars at the Browns. I'm going to pick the Browns to win this game. The Browns, the big edge that they have in this game, more than anything, is the defense. They have the least yards allowed in the NFL. And I think the defense, you give them all the credit in the world to why this team is at 7-5 and five and why this team is in a playoff spot. They lost narrowly to the Rams. They had a lead in that game. And I think Joe Flacco is a pretty serviceable QB. Threw for the mid-200s in passing yards, had a passing touchdown. It's all right. As for the Jaguars... When Trevor Lawrence went down with that injury, I know that they're saying that he has a chance to play this week. The level of competitor that he is, the guy that he is, he's not one to go down like that unless there's something wrong. So even if Trevor Lawrence does play, he's listed as questionable, I don't think he's going to be in great shape. And I think that the defense of the Browns is going to get under his skin. Miles Garrett will be pressuring him Every single snap. And this secondary is also amazing from the Browns. Like I said, they allow the least passing yards in the NFL. So they should be able to cover that wide array of passing threats. And I like the Browns in this game. I think that they're going to uh, do their job. It might be close. It might be ugly. It might be low scoring. But I think that the Browns are going to get the best of the Jaguars. No matter if it's an injured Trevor Lawrence or a backup QB that they throw out there. After that, we're going to take a look at the final 1 o'clock game that features the Detroit Lions and the Chicago Bears. Bears are the home team for this one. Last game that we saw take place in Detroit between these two teams was a fun one. A game to remember that the Lions came back and won. The Bears played a great game. Fields did all that he could. DJ Moore. The defense looked like it was doing its job against the Lions. Then all of a sudden, with four minutes left... The Lions erase a 12-point deficit, and they go on to win the game. Now, heading into this game, the Bears had a bye. But before that, they beat Minnesota. 
So you definitely could make the argument that the Bears are playing better football. The part that I struggle with is they're not fighting for much. They already have the Panthers draft pick, which looks like it'll be number one. They have their own draft pick that'll probably be quite poor as well. I mean, quite good in terms of draft pick, but their record will be quite poor. So I just think that the Lions have more will, more skin in the game, if you know what I'm saying. They're out there, you know, fighting for seeding with the 49ers and potentially the Eagles-Cowboys after this week to maybe go on and be a top-two seed. You never know. So I think that the Lions will win this game. They will sweep the Bears. I just don't really think that the way the Bears are playing, I mean, they're winning games against the Vikings only when their defense forced, like, five turnovers. Uh, so I don't see that that's really going to happen against a team like Detroit. I don't think they're going to unravel that badly. Even though they're on a little bit of a slump, I think they're going to come out on top and take care of business. Next up, it's the first game of the 4 o'clock hour, and it's a divisional matchup that we saw not too long ago. On Thanksgiving night, the Seahawks and the 49ers, without a doubt, the Niners are going to win this game by a lot. I talked about it in the open of this podcast. The Seattle Seahawks looked great offensively against the Cowboys. But in the big moments, they failed to capitalize. Geno Smith had an inexplicable interception. The defense could not stop Dak Prescott from firing away to multiple targets. And it was just a sad and demoralizing loss. Seahawks have now lost their last three games, lost four out of five, and have gone from a probable playoff team to now a probably less than 50-50 chance of ending up in the postseason. As for the 49ers, they're trending in the exact polar opposite direction. Nothing but fire happening down in the Bay Area. Brock Purdy and this team are the hottest in the league. They just defeated the Eagles on the road, not in a close game, in a demolition-type game. 42-19. to McCaffrey had 133 yards. Kittle had 68 yards. Debo Samuel had over 100 yards. I mean, it was like Christmas here. You know, the way that this team is playing offensively. Ball pass to you. Ball pass to you. Carry for you. And they do it so well every time. They're unstoppable. The weaponry on this team is seriously unstoppable. And this is a Seahawks team that just gave up. Let me go back here. How much was it against the Cowboys? It was 41 points. It could be 50 for all I know in this game. I don't know what the over-under is. I think that'll probably be an over for this one. Niners are going to take it. Next up on the slate is the Vikings at the Las Vegas Raiders. I am going to pick the Raiders in this one. Might come as a surprise to some of you to take the underdog in this game, but they're at home in a wild atmosphere that the Super Bowl will be played at later this year. And I do want to take this time to mention the school shooting that went on in Las Vegas, prayers to the families and to anybody affected by that incident. And I will now do a moment of silence for any lives impacted and any lives lost in that massacre.
getting back to the game that is going to be played on Sunday there in Las Vegas, I, I think that the Raiders will win. I mean, Aiden O'Connell is getting better. I was a critic of his early on. I mean, he basically every game had more interceptions than touchdowns. I mean, his ball security was not great. But last game against the Chiefs, we saw some improvement. He did not throw a pick. He did throw a touchdown. 238 yards, and that's at a serviceable level. You know what's not at a serviceable level? What Joshua Dobbs did two Monday nights ago against the Bears. The freaking Chicago Bears we're talking about here. We're not talking about the Jets' defense. We're not talking about the Red Hot Broncos' defense or the Browns' defense. We're talking about the Bears' defense. He threw four interceptions, and I believe he also fumbled the ball. And he is the sole reason that the Vikings are 6-6 six and six and on the fringe of being passed for a playoff spot. So I don't think that Dobbs really even deserves to start this game. But he is. And then the other position that I was going to compare is the running back position. Madison and Ty Chandler in that game against the Bears. When the quarterback was, you know, making fans weep left and right. I personally have seen some fans burn apparel, pee on apparel of their team. Like, this is how devastating of a loss this was to the franchise. The running backs did not help out at all. 14 carries combined between the two top running backs there in Minnesota for a total of 60 yards. Josh Jacobs, who is one individual, not two that I just mentioned, had 110 yards and a touchdown and four catches in his last game against the Kansas City Chiefs. So they have the running back edge, the quarterback edge, they're at home, and I think that the Raiders will improve to 6-7 and seven and keep the minuscule odds of them making the postseason possible. They will keep up that possibility this week. Now I want to take a look at the first 425 game that features the Denver Broncos and the LA Chargers. I'm going to lean towards LA in this matchup. It's the first time we're seeing these two teams play. They're going to play again in three weeks, week 17, on New Year's Eve. Um, I'm going to take the Chargers just because I think Herbert's the better QB. Then Russell Wilson, I think he's underappreciated. I really do. After that win against the Patriots, I don't care how ugly it was. When you shut out a team, even if it's the Patriots, that gives you confidence. To fly home across the country and be checking your phone and looking at that scoreboard and seeing you guys allowed nothing. That is a big confidence boost. I think that Joey Bosa, that whole Chargers defense, will be amped up for this game that they without a doubt need to keep their playoff pulse alive. And as for the Broncos, last week they took on the Texans. It was kind of close game, but Russell Wilson had some big turnovers down the stretch. The thing about Justin Herbert, and I've seen it multiple times now, I first noticed this about him against the Jets. He had a game against the Jets earlier this year that they won. The defense did a lot of the heavy work, and that was what counted for most of the points. But Herbert knows how to not lose football games. He knows the opponent that he's playing against and what he needs to accomplish. He did just enough to beat the Patriots. He did just enough to beat the Jets offensively. 
he's not about wowing you with numbers. He is about finding ways to win. And it's not easy, believe me, with that terrible coach that he has in Brandon Staley. And this is one of those times that I believe the great mind of Justin Herbert, compared with that defensive momentum, will pair for a victory for the Bolts. Next up here is going to be the Bills at the Chiefs, one of the most anticipated games heading into this season. You know, it was so anticipated that when I was looking at the schedule this week, I thought, you know, I got to mention this on the podcast. I remember picking this game on my uh, prediction where I pick every single game going into the season, and I picked Buffalo. This was before, of course, knowing anything about what went on this season, obviously. The Chiefs, you know, that they need a receiver. The Bills, they've had a lot of defensive injuries in particular, and Josh Allen turning the ball over has cost them at times. And now I am changing my pick. I am picking the Chiefs, partially because Mahomes lost last Sunday, and, you know, it's not possible for that human being to lose back-to-back football games, hasn't done so in well over two years. But you also got to look at the Bills situation. I know that they just had a bye week. They're well-rested, but they have some things going against them. Josh Allen continues to have at least one turnover a game. He continues to be top two in turnovers in the NFL. And as for Von Miller, he is also facing some challenges, domestic violence accusations. You know that that crowd in Arrowhead is going to get against, to go against nobody, I'm sorry, to cheer against, I should say, nobody more than him. Because really, when these type of things surface, it does not reflect the organization well when they're out there playing a game when there's stuff much more seriously going on in those players' lives. And we all know what happened in that AFC Divisional game that took place in Arrowhead. A 13-second time frame was enough for Mahomes to travel down the field 50 yards and get them a tying field goal. So Mahomes has the recipe on how to beat this team. This defense has the recipe on how to make teams Crazy. I mean, the Chiefs here are top 10 in yards allowed, top 10 in completion percentage against. They force a lot of turnovers, and that's exactly what Josh Allen does best, is gift the ball to the other team. So I think the Chiefs will come out on top. Excuse me, the Chiefs will come out on top. A game that the Chiefs are looking to climb up the rankings in the um, seeding stats right now. They're the third seed if the season ended today, and the Bills... They need a win. They have a tough schedule down the stretch here. Still have to play Miami. Still have to play the Dallas Cowboys who are on fire. They need a win, really, this game to keep those playoff hopes alive. And it's not going to be easy. I like the Chiefs. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we have the game of the week. And the NFL has done well again by putting it on primetime. They're really getting all the primetime games right here. Well, except maybe for this Thursday game. But this Sunday night game will not disappoint. It will be close. It will be filled with hate. It's part of what makes football so great, the rivalries. It's the Eagles and it's the Cowboys in Dallas. Cowboys are heading into this game one game back at Philadelphia. After the Cowboys, you know, won last week against Seattle, the Eagles got killed by the Niners. And Dallas's offense... What way is it going? It's going up sky high. And the Eagles offense, it's it's not performing at, you know, cardiac arrest 
level of concern, but it is trending downward. And I took the liberty of cranking the numbers. Since these teams played each other five weeks ago, it will be, I believe. Yeah, five weeks ago, about a month ago. This is the amount of points scored. Eagles have 105. Dallas have eclipsed that by quite a number, 168. So the Dallas is averaging, you know, what they played four games and they reached each other, some quick math, 60 more points. Dallas is averaging 15 more points a game than the Eagles. And I think that's a very important stat to look at here. Jalen Hurts, who did not do well against that Bills game, only had a couple hundred passing yards. He got hurt, taken out of the game against the Niners. Really, there was nothing going for him in that offense after the first quarter. They settled for a couple field goals. So with all that being said, Dallas is my team. Do I hate the Cowboys? Sure. I mean, I, I really do hate the Cowboys, even though I'm a Jets fan. Do I think they'll win this game? I really do. So how about them Cowboys is what I'm going to have to leave you guys with for this game. And now going down to Monday night, the final night of what promises to be a super fun week of football. We are treated to a double feature. Second time we're seeing this in this season. We saw it in week two. We're seeing it in week 14. We have the Packers at the Giants. We have the Titans at the Dolphins. So a couple games to break down here. First, let's talk about Green Bay and New York. I'm picking the Packers. Tommy DeVito has won back-to-back games. I'm sure his mother has been preparing him all kinds of Italian delicacies over the bye week. But I don't even think the finest Italian dish could prepare him to take on a team that's as hot as Green Bay. I mean, the Packers just defeated the Super Bowl champions. Please do not play the referee card in this game. The, do, do not let that take away from the job that Jordan Love has done these past couple weeks to beat the Lions on Thanksgiving and now to beat the Chiefs. He's on fire. He has got all the momentum in the world. He's using Christian Watson. The run game is clicking for Green Bay. And I mean, as for the Giants, they got Saquon, they got DeVito. The Italian Stallion, but I don't think that they're going to win this game, even though it's at home. So give me the Packers to improve to over 500, something that they, they have not been since week three. As for the Titans and the Dolphins, I saw something today that I have never seen before. I'm in a uh, fantasy pick'em on ESPN Fantasy. I'm currently in third place, maybe five games behind first place. And it's in like a 15-person thing. Anyway, the gist of this is the Titans at the Dolphins, because when I do my picks, I go and instantly input them, so don't forget. 99% of people, over 99% of people, picked Miami. I've never seen that. I mean, it's always, you know, some funny guy picks this team, some person's trying to get the worst record and be comical, and it's at least 2 to 3%. So this is the most drastic game that I've ever seen in the Pick'em this season. So obviously I'm going to ride with the Dolphins. The Titans are coming off a heartbreaking loss in overtime. It wouldn't have even gone to overtime if they did not have a punt blocked and returned for a touchdown by Indianapolis against them. And rightly so, something that the Jets could learn. When one of your coaches makes a big mistake, they get out of town. They get fired. And that's what they did. They fired their special teams coordinator. As for the Dolphins, they put up, I believe it was like 45 points against Washington. 
and I got three big stats here for you to digest. Dolphins are number two in completion percentage, and look at this, number one in passing yards, number one in rushing yards. That's the trifecta right there, the three biggest offensive stats, completion percentage, passing yards, and rushing yards. They're top two in all of them, and they are number one behind nobody in two of them. Keep in mind, for the rushing yards part, Devon A-Chain, who's been their number one rusher, missed a third of the season, and he still came back last week, had 73 yards and a couple rushing touchdowns. This team does not miss a beat. They have lost a couple games to some really good teams, but they are the real deal, and they are going to be there till the very end, in my opinion, and compete for a Super Bowl. And the Titans, you know, it should be like a Wee game for them. Um, could win by upwards of 25 points. Sky's the limit. They should make easy work of Tennessee. And that is going to wrap up an enticing week 14. I hope that you all have a great weekend. If you're celebrating Hanukkah, I wish you all a happy Hanukkah. And yeah, actually by the next time I hop on here, if it's next Thursday, Hanukkah will be coming to an end, but actually it'll still be going on by next Thursday, so I could wish you an end of a happy Hanukkah too. But yeah, have happy holidays to those celebrating. Have a happy week of football. And yeah, I am Jeffrey DeLappy, and I will catch you next time.